0: Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, I welcome Stuart Ferguson from Fix Software to talk about CMMS integration. We discuss what other software or data sources we should connect with our CMMS and we talk about how to get started. 2020 is a new year for Rob's Reliability Project and I'm hoping to bring in some editing and administrative help to help me with my production of of this content so you're gonna start hearing some advertising on this show. If that's something that you're interested in as someone who sells products or services to engage reliability and maintenance professionals, definitely tell your marketing manager about sponsoring a podcast or any of the other content that I produce. If you're interested in hearing more details about that, send me an email to Project at gmail.com. Finally, if there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, send me an email, robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and here's the interview with Stuart Ferguson. Hey guys, we're back, and today we have a special guest, Stuart Ferguson from Fix Software. Stuart, how are you?
1: I'm excellent. Thanks for having me on.
0: No, thanks for joining us today. And so for everyone listening, Stuart is the solutions engineering leader at Fix Software. That's Fix, F-I-I-X with two I's. And if you want to check out their website, just go to fixsoftware.com. Again, fix with two I's. Now, Stuart, do you want to just give us a little background on yourself? Like, how'd you get your start in maintenance and reliability?
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, before fix, um, I actually spent the, the duration of my career uh, in industry. So I'm kind of fresh out of school, young uh, electrical engineer, wet, wet behind the ears still. Um, jumped in with uh, with procter gamble. Um, and gamble in the engineering department actually is where i kind of let it off so learning uh learning from the front end kind of the design and install end of things with the plant controls and information systems group so a lot of electrical work there um, but it really teaches you the, the importance of that design and install when you get into the the world of maintenance and then uh, as that all played out jumped over to the operations side of the house uh, in operations management dealing with that day-to-day and the, uh, the all-encompassing uh, breakdown and the reliability culture and really learning how important that, that front end was, but getting to dig, your, dig my teeth into the back end as well with, uh, with keeping, keeping a plant running uh, <laughs> as smooth as possible, so to speak. Um, from there, jumped over to Fix, um, kind of bringing that knowledge over to our team and, and really working on how we can get you know, really reliability-centric and, and drive that value out to, to the people using our, using our platform.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. And, and I really, I, I like the design side and the install side, because I think there's a lot of wins there that you can get from a reliability perspective that maybe we're not always considering as like quasi maintenance folks.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's, there's things you got to consider up front and, you know, they might not you know, that be in your evaluation matrix or your costing model or all the rest of it. But if you can really understand the life cycle of what you're putting in and really what's going to go into that piece of equipment, not just for the first six months year, but how you're going to keep that thing running for the next decade, two decades, hey, even three decades. We had, we had machinery in there from the seventies that was running like a clock because somebody had the, had the forethought to think about how it was going to be used and how that would be maintained. That's the big one.
0: it seems like all or a lot of the the old stuff that if it's made it this long it's like due to last another 20 years because in part it's over designed but some of that some of that stuff you know it's funny like we're we're looking at I'm looking at a lot of electrical equipment lately myself and you see like the the kind of two ends you don't really see the middle you see brand new stuff or really old stuff you don't really see a lot in the middle
1: yeah, for sure. You get those virtual camshafts, but there's still not much replacement for an old camshaft case packer. That, that sucker's going to run. <laughs> no matter what goes through it, it's just going to run.
0: <laughs> so, Stuart, you know, like, obviously you work for Fix, which they provide or you provide a CMMS. Um, and I wanted to have you on today to talk a little bit about CMMS integration, do you want to just give us an introduction to like what is CMMS integration? Like what are we integrating our CMMS with and you know like like just give us the background.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I mean at the at the highest level, um CMMS integration is connecting your your maintenance platform to other data sources within your your manufacturing business, right? Um whether that's field service all the way down to consumer goods or food and bev, right? You you probably have PLCs. You probably have, you know, sensors, ERP systems, whatever it is. It's connecting those other data sources uh, to your maintenance platform, so you can make more informed maintenance decisions, um, giving you a little bit more data.
0: Now, when you say connecting, like the PLCs and the other data sources, like are you looking at, you know, doing the analysis in the CMMS as well, or or just issuing work orders to those specific assets? <laughs>
1: It really depends on, on your use case and what the goal is um, from your reliability program, right? I, I've listened to a couple of these and, you know, that's really where these start is a good reliability program and how you're going to use the data. Um, so it depends what you want to bring in. Once you start talking about integrating and what platforms you're integrating into, yeah, it could be it could be work orders. It could be stuff that we process. So, for example, uh, shop floor sensor data, right? We could be pulling in, you know, fluid levels in, in transmissions once a once a night type thing. Um, and actually triggering work based off of that, or it could be as simple as hours run on a particular piece of equipment to move your maintenance from throughput based instead of uh, just time based, right? Um, all the way up to the ERP discussion where we're bringing in you know parts and inventory to make sure everything's everything's aligned and and matching what your you know financial system or record has to say.
0: Yeah, that that's one thing I've been a fan of throughout my career is is really having that inventory piece in the CMMS, just so then. Or at least it's got to talk to each other just because otherwise when you're issuing work orders, if you're not matching up with what parts are you taking out of storage and this and that, it gets kind of confusing.
1: Oh yeah, it's, it's a nightmare, right? And you don't need to own the data, right? There's an ERP system that owns your inventory levels, your purchase price, all that great stuff. And you're that's where you want it to live but and having that at your guys fingertips on even even a mobile app on the floor knowing exactly what's in stores what they can go grab and you know what they need for their jobs that's that's critical even if it's just the basic you know inventory numbers so that that they know what's on a shelf
0: (laughs) it does help
1: (laughs) oh yeah nothing worse than that 15 minute walk to the storeroom to find out that it's not there anyway
0: Yeah. And and that's one thing, you know, when we talk planning and scheduling on this show, it's like we usually talk about planning and scheduling as a way of increasing efficiency in your maintenance process. But there are other things like if your planner's, you know, writing the job plan out and he doesn't know what's in stores, like unless he has to walk down there too, like you're just adding essentially wasted time into your process.
1: Oh, tons, tons, and you can you can put the flip side of that on it too, right? That that consistent usage uh, metrics back into your ERP, so knowing when stuff's coming out, if that starts getting repeatable and and you can actually see patterns in that, you're you can be on top of your your purchase and inventory control from a purchaser standpoint, to the point where you're really making that a lot more efficient and you know leaking out every dollar you can there. Yep
0: yeah, there there's a lot of benefit in in spare parts management and and I don't find that a lot of companies do it very well.
1: No, it's it's something that they're starting to look at and they're putting more of the uh, the supply chain emphasis on it. Right? There's really, really good supply chains when you consider raw materials in and finished product out. And I mean it's a longer time span, sure, when we look at maintenance, but MRO spares can be treated very similar in a lot of cases and that really frees up that it's that uh all all important free cash flow metric. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So you touched on a few in terms of you know, connecting our CMMS to an ERP or to the data sources from the floor. Like is, is that it or are there any others? Like, what's the, what's the kind of the complete list?
1: Oh, the complete list is, what is it? What's the use case? Let's make it work. Um, but the most common ones that we see uh, revolve around the ERP system and then plant floor data so the ERP, for, for the obvious reasons that we've been talking here with parts and inventory, even kicking off purchase requests, right? And we need something and we can kick it off within you know, your CMMS, link that out to your ERP platform. You don't have to change the way your purchasing happens to date. You can just kick it off and see those updates through your CMMS. Um, it's a whole lot easier for those, those planners and schedulers to, to handle it all within one system. But then on the flip side of the coin, you can talk about machine level integration, and that's really where it gets fun. Um, Because that could be shop floor sensor data, that could be, you know, fleet data coming from a a fleet in the field, um, or, you know, day to day live meter readings right from your your assets to trigger based on condition even, right, you can take that from uh, anywhere from, you know, simple and getting started with throughput triggers all the way up to true condition based monitoring. And that's really, you know, that's where everything's slowly starting to head.
0: Have you, like, I've seen a few companies that have integrated at least our imports into their CMMS. Like, have you seen any of them that have been really successful at doing this type of integration? Or is it just sort of like that, that kind of typical operating hours import, like every, like at midnight every day?
1: The operating hours is pretty common. Um, but it really comes down to, you know, the criticality of the asset and the, uh, frequency at which you're doing maintenance, right? Um, You don't want to over-index on pulling in the data. If if you're bringing in that truck for maintenance once every two weeks anyway, there's no sense in getting an hourly meter reading imported, right? But when you're talking about throughput-based equipment on the floor, um, that's where things can get kind of fun. You can actually tell when something's getting out of spec, right? So throughput-based, yeah, it's going to be a little longer. Like you say, it comes in and, and they take those in every six hours, let's say, but man, it makes a world of difference for efficiency when you talk about maintenance, right? You're doing work when you have to do it um, rather than you know a month, but a monthly PM doesn't take into account the production schedule, right? Uh, throughput counts, they they do a little more. It's still a little bit thumbed around the edge, but when you really start getting the value, and we have a few we have a few partners that are starting to do this really, really effectively and it's you know they're monitoring through through their PLCs the you know temperature levels and bearing sets. And they can start to see when those drift, right? And it's not necessarily triggering a full rebuild and replace the bearing. It's, you know, let's get a guy out there that knows what he's looking for, that knows the equipment. Take a look and really see if this is something we need to put on our radar for next week or the week after.
0: Yeah, I I definitely like that approach. And I've seen it and I think it's very effective. Is like maybe don't automatically trigger replacements, but if you can automatically trigger like a secondary inspection, whether that's go out with, you know, infrared camera or, or vibration analysis or whatever, I think that's probably a better approach, at least when you're getting started, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And and that's what it's all about, right? We we always talk about crawl, walk, run, right? When you're starting to bring in these data sources, they're, they're giving you a lot of insight and knowledge, but, you know, that that's not going to replace necessarily that that skilled guy who is sitting there with the IR camera knows how to use it knows that piece of equipment like the back of his hand right he's going to be able to to tell you what's wrong the thing is where where we can really help with this kind of data integration is that person's only got so many hours in the day what's he going to go do and what's he going to go look at we can generate a list of those high priority inspections you know that from an actual a reason like a data source that's telling him that that's what he should go look at now we're really we're starting to add value back into his day and, and making sure that we're using those high, highly skilled people in the best way possible.
0: So, Stuart, you mentioned having a plan at the kind of the onset of this integration. Like what should your plan be? What's included in the plan? Like how do how would you recommend people out there who are listening go about creating a plan for their integration?
1: You got to be deliberate. I think that's that's the first thing. You got to know what you're what you're after. Um, so the main point of integration, I think, is to solve a, a business problem, right? Um, we talked about, you know, the inventory control being a pretty easy one. You're avoiding stockouts. You're making sure your parts are there. You're minimizing inventory, maximizing inventory efficiency. Whatever your goal is, that's what you should be bringing in the data in order to do. And that means thinking about how you're going to be using the data, not just how you're going to be importing it. Right. There's no sense in bringing the data in if you're not going to be using it, you know, on a regular cadence to actually drive a number or metric. And that really stems from your reliability program as a whole. Right. If that if those are your goals for the year and this is where you're pointing towards and these are the the metrics that you're looking to drive, how's that integration going to help and how are you going to measure that? Right. When we look at efficiency from the floor, it's the same thing. Uh, We talked it with the oil. Sorry, with the hours import right if if we're only going to be doing this maintenance on week long chunks there's no sense in building a super complex integration that's going to run that hours real time so you can see it instantly right you're not going to do that throughput based maintenance any faster whether you get it in 1 hour or 3 hours every 3 hours right versus maybe an oil level or a bearing heat application, right? You're really going to want that data the second that you can get it. That's where you're going to sink your money. And you want to do that to your critical assets that you've identified as key. And that's why that integration is being faced towards it. It's all about having the, the end goal, right? What's the goal of your maintenance program? And how are you going to feed the integration towards that?
0: And it, and it sounds like, you know, like the integration plan is more of a like it's an asset management or reliability type of, of X, like execution. Once the plans developed, is it just like handing it over to it or how do you recommend going about that?
1: I mean, they're definitely stakeholders. You're going to have to get a lot of people involved. Um, your it group for sure. Right. They're going to, they're going to be able to help you walk through how, how these systems interplay. Um, you also want to work with those, you know, those vendors of those systems that you're working with. Right. Um, when you're talking about you know, a CMS, you know, make sure you got a good partner on the other end that's gonna be able to help you out, you know, having those discussions and, and looking at those endpoints and how we're gonna consume the data or export the data, whatever that looks like, right? Same on the the other side of the coin, right? Get the get those third parties involved, make sure that they're aware. And then internal stakeholders, IT, right? You gotta have your your management sponsor, the person that's really driving this um, and is kind of driving the the whole platform as a whole and then you're going to get all those folks in on the line, get it scoped, have a solid plan, put milestones against it and go execute, right? And the other thing I always tell everybody when you're when you're putting these plans together, you know, don't take your your pie in the sky dream and go to that day one. That's the end goal, right? But what what are we going to start with? How are we going to start and how are we going to validate that point and then how are we going to expand on it from there, right? There's somewhere to get to, but you know jumping over there all at once probably isn't the best thing for your maintenance team let's you know take a step back and make sure we're planning that correctly and taking it off in chunks that we can we can really bite bite down on and get to the to the root of
0: and what is that like obviously we need to be going slowly but like what's that first step look like
1: yeah and i don't wouldn't even say slowly i would just say you know deliberately you can go pretty quickly with these if you have the right group in place Um, But I always suggest to start with something um, not basic, but something, you know, with real high level of importance, right? So if you have, you know, that the fleet system, that's, it's inefficient how you're doing, you know, maintenance today, and you need to change that to a throughput on hours, let's go tackle that first. There's a driving business need there. That's going to mean you're going to get those stakeholders in the room a whole lot easier. There's going to be some really measurable business outcomes that you can measure from that to kind of prove it out and, and really kind of. You know, say, you know, we did this. It looks good. We're getting great results from it. Now let's go expand this program now that we have that proof of concept. Everybody's bought in now. Where do we go from there? Start small and start critical. <laughs>
0: <laughs> love it. Love it, love it, love it. Now, one thing that I've I've seen often in my career is when, when people are bringing in a CMMS or doing these big IT projects, I think people underestimate how much work it is. Like, what have you seen and like from a like for our listeners, how much work does it actually take? like let's say you're a reliability engineer and you're trying to get this done at your site. like how much work does it actually take?
1: It really depends on the the integration you're, you're looking at. Um, but it can be it can be fairly intrusive in some cases, right? Uh, what I would say is you're going to want to find a partner you can work with. Um, taking it on alone is is awful tricky, right? Uh, but you have vendors and you're using their their softwares and their systems and and they understand them really really well so if if you can make sure you're aligned with some vendors that are going to support you through that it's going to make it a whole lot easier on your end um and often it's something you know they'll partner with you on and help you help you build out and get rolling um that's that's the big one it's partnerships and and resources but it's not it's not a small lift um (laughs) Under no conditions, this is a small lift, right? You could be doing anything from one sensor to, you know, the whole data lake and trying to pull over, you know, an endless supply of PLC tags. And it's just, it's not going to go well. Um, So lean on, lean on all the help you can get because people are surprisingly willing to help with this kind of stuff. It's exciting.
0: (laughs) yeah I, I, I find that the vendors for the most part are, are extremely helpful, regardless of what you're really trying to do. Like I've worked with a bunch on spare parts stuff on purchasing new equipment, not really so much from the IT side or like the you know CMMS integration, but I've always received you know great support and I think people not only should they reach out. It's like you would be kind of making a mistake if you don't.
1: I completely agree. You, you would be. You'd be doing yourself a bit of a disservice. Don't get me wrong. I think you're going to get it done one way or another if you got your mind to it. Um, but, hey, it's going to be a whole lot easier if you got somebody on the other line that, that can help out. And, and I think, at least in, from my viewpoint, you're seeing that a lot with uh, a lot of these industry-focused companies that are coming in and working with industry. They're, they're realizing that you know the way it was done was really, really high-quality customer service um, and we're talking like equipment and, and vendors and that kind of thing but software shouldn't be any different right um, it's it's a mission critical application right you're, you're tied to downtime and numbers and an hour of downtime can make or break a whole lot of results um, so that kind of customer success needs to be pretty needs to be strong right it's got to be a partnership you got to have the same goals in mind and, and you got to have a team that's willing to help you get to those goals
0: and so like if a customer approached you guys at Fix and was like, you know, I want to help with my CMMS integration, and maybe they have a plan together. Like, what does it look like on your end? Like, are you helping them with the IT side? Are you helping them with the strategy? Like, what are you helping them with?
1: I mean, all of the above, depending on the stage that they're in, right? Um, if it's something exploratory, then, you know we're gonna, we're gonna pull some some stuff on our side some stories that, that we have and, and lean on what we know and try and work towards something that's going to work out um, and also kind of lead you down you know the, the ROI and you know building a business case behind that because uh, you know as, as I'm sure your listeners know it's you know to get some of these programs off the ground, you got to sell them um, you got get you got to get somebody to agree to spend some money on it or spend some time on it and resources uh, and we can help with that as well. Uh, but once we're kind of past that point and we're looking at you know we have we know what we want to pull in we know what other system we're pulling it in from right and that, that's when it gets kind of fun now we start scoping out endpoints and we can help too by jumping on the phone with that other vendor as well and figuring out you know we know what our data sets look like and you know the vendor of that piece of equipment maybe knows how we can get the data out of his system and really help you walk through that that as well instead of just you know giving you some content and having you go give it a whirl <laughs>
0: <laughs> one thing you mentioned there, one thing you mentioned there was the the ROI, and obviously it's it's really important. And I want to kind of touch on a little bit and, and ask you a question: Is like we talked with Joe Kuhn a few few, I guess now it would be a few months ago, but he used to be a plant manager, and one thing he said was with reliability initiatives, if someone's coming to me as a plant manager. They need to make sure that it has both short-term value and long-term value. Now, in from what you've seen, like what's the short-term value, or like what where where should we start looking for short-term value in a process like this? And like, what's obviously like the long-term value is a little bit easier to understand, but maybe give us a breakdown of that too.
1: Yeah, I and, and I listened to that one; was, it was a really good one. Um, but he's completely correct. That long-term value, for some reason, the long-term value seems to be a much easier proposition. Um, short-term, that six to 12 month, you know, what what gains are we going to see? That can be a harder conversation, especially when you're talking about bigger things like inventory control and, and management. That's, you know, that's not necessarily short-term. But where you can really work on on the short-term is just show some quick, quick easy misses, right? So let's say you know a part out. Part outs happen all the time. Um, Chances are half the time somebody's got something stuck in their locker that's going to fix the issue. But if you can highlight actually stocking out, that's downtime, right? There's 15 minutes right here because we couldn't find the part. We had to go to three different places or, you know, I hope not, but you know, that could be up to six hours. We had to ship the part, all right, get it from a supplier, something like that. It's pretty easy to start, start showing that picture right away. Um, Another good one is throughput based. So when you're talking about throughput based maintenance, if you can overlay a production, you know, a production calendar with actual runtime and then your scheduled maintenance levels and show, you know, in 11 month you know, 12 months, instead of doing this 12 times throughput based, we're actually only doing it 10 or 11, right? And that could be, you know, a series of belts, pneumatic cylinders, whatever it is, there's cost associated there. But the big thing is buy-in, right? If You got the the guys in the floor asking for it. It's going to make their lives easier. It's going to improve wrench time and it's going to improve wrench time immediately um, then you're really gonna you're gonna have some quick gains there.
0: And and like you mentioned, buy-in from the shop floor. Like, what are the benefits for a maintenance guy to have the data all sort of in the same repository?
1: Mm-hmm. It's it it's better day to day, right? Uh, if he knows he's going the right places based on an actual. Know not just a, a schedule, or because somebody said he should go check something out, but because the data is telling him that there's an anomaly here, and you should go take a look. Or you know, we've put you know X thousand cartons through this machine. Uh, it's time to go replace this because we know it's going to fail soon. Uh, that's a different kind of urgency, right? And You know, you're doing the right the right work in the right places. And then, I mean, the parts is we've gone over the parts time and time again. That that one, you know. Is the part there? Do I have to go find do I have to go find it somewhere else? Is it a purchase process we need to start now? What storms it in? Bin, aisle, row endless, right? It's gonna save them a whole lot of time. Um, and, and time's key, right? Everybody wants to do a good job. Um, and no one wants their machinery down, right? So faster you can get her get her back up, or better yet, you can stay on top of that so you don't get that breakdown, that's gonna impact everybody.
0: <laughs> that's reliability yeah <Yeehaw. laughs> So one thing that I've seen over the years a lot is a lot of people struggle with data quality in their CMMS like how do you recommend people go about ensuring that data is high quality
1: By integrating it <laughs> uh, but to be honest you want to you want to pick those critical pieces of, of data that need to be high quality and if you can get them directly from the source, Um, in case, instead of, you know, human entry or, or some kind of import export type thing, you can get that data directly from the source, it's going to come right from that point of truth. And it's going to be reflected the same way in the CMMS, right? Um, For example, meter reading entries, right? You got guys going around and putting in meter readings. um, And, you know, they could be doing 15, 20, 50, right? That's a whole lot of, it's a whole lot of entry for somebody. It's good that they're by that equipment and taking a look at everything. But and if somebody's entering 100 of those a day, you can't really blame them for getting one of them wrong. <laughs> but if those are critical, and if you're basing your maintenance off that, there's a strong argument there to integrate it. Because then we're going to get that data directly from the machine. right? That's the same data the machine's getting. Um, and that's going to give you that that true value. Same with uh, same with parts and inventory, right? If you got to have that right, you need that spare in. Um, integrate that with the ERP. We're going to have those numbers accurate. And it's going to make the, the guys' lives a lot easier too, right? They're not going through and manually entering all this stuff. They're not entering those meter They can focus on completing their task list, putting in quality notes, right? Better yet, if they got the app, just take some photos, attach it to your work order, um, and really get that, that data transfer going, that clean, consistent data input to the CMMS. But anything that's critical, let's integrate it. Just get it from the true, that source of truth.
0: Yeah, I like it. And I also, you know, I like the app as well, but it's it's funny. It's this morning I posted a quote from Gerard Wood and um, he was talking about this time where he was at a site and they had this wire failure. And what had happened was, you know, this wire is supposed to last two years and about 18, 18 months in it failed. And so they were doing a root cause analysis on it and they found that the inspection work orders there had been two or three times that they had noted that some of the wire has been fraying and essentially nothing had happened and so gerard was really talking about like the rca and one of the outcomes of the rca was like oh we have to redesign the whole wire system for (laughs) me like obviously it's a broken process like, what does that feedback process look like to you? Like when someone puts notes into a work order, like where should it go to ensure that that, like that clearly should trigger work?
1: Oh, it definitely should. Um, Those failed inspections need to be handled within the CMMS, right? That's got to be automatically kicking out work orders. Um, And I mean, you know, some, some of it's probably, probably process and systems fault. Um, But there's, there's that, you know, old, old quote, and I'm, no idea who said it, so I can't quote it properly, I'm sure. But, you know, culture culture, eats strategy for breakfast, right? If if your guys really have that reliability culture and then they're, they're really taking care of those, that's the first step. They want to see it. They want to report that failure and they want to get it into a system. The way that system handles it needs to match that, though, right? If they're doing the right thing and they're putting in those failed inspections and they're not getting escalated or resourced, that's a whole different ballgame. Um, and you, you need your you need your CMMS to be able to handle that kind of thing, so that you know those maintenance supervisors are getting the right the right view into the data and the right urgency around what's actually failing and what we need to go and go and take a look at. And again, like it, I mean, on an inspection task like that, it's a lot of data input. Those failed inspections go trigger it. Go out and go do some of those tasks. But if that's something that you could put some form of condition monitoring on, especially if it's something to do with you know, a, a safety critical component, get some condition monitoring on that. Feed that bit, bit of information back into your CMMS automatically so that you can actually see those high priority work orders kick out based on, you know, whether it's resistance through that wire or whatever it is we can measure.
0: Yeah, it seemed like a pretty, pretty simple, like even if someone was really just bought into the reliability culture, they may even go out and either fix it themselves or, or put in a work order to follow up, but that's another story for another day.
1: <laughs> oh, we could we could talk about reliability culture for a for a long, long time. Um that's you're, right. you're completely correct. If it's something you can fix right then and there, don't don't even bother failing an inspection task. Put in a work order that says you fixed it.
0: So Stuart you know, coming back to it, I assume that you've seen the CMMS integration a bunch of different times. Like what are some common mistakes that people make when doing a CMMS integration and how do we avoid those mistakes?
1: A big one uh, a big one, you know, I've seen a couple times. I'm talking to people who have who have active integrations with a few different systems. It's it's integrating for for the sake of it. Um, you know, some people feel they, they have to do this kind of stuff and they need, you know, they need data flowing back and forth because, you know, somebody's told them that they need it. But if it's not going to be used, you know, you're, you're adding a whole lot of complexity. All right. So it really comes back to having that having that plan and a business case around what you're trying to integrate. Because um, if you if you go out and put a ton of energy and, and resources towards, you know, getting a, a big integration up and running and your guys aren't using it. What, what was the big point, right? What what win did you get out of that? You know, it's it's kind of mis, misused. So it's all about having that plan, right, and really focusing on the actionable data, right? So so what's the gap? Why do we need this data in? What's that going to help us with? You know, whether it's preventing an issue or whether it's fixing something quicker or whatever it is, um, have a plan. Have an impact of that data. Don't just do it because you think you have to. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. Now, I guess the last one I have for you on this topic is: Do you have any other tips that maybe you haven't touched on already?
1: Yeah, uh, I do. I have a couple. Um, understanding the journey is the big one, right? Um, we talk about reliability culture, and and that's a journey as well. Right? You got to start somewhere, and you got to get somewhere. Um, have that have that goal in mind. Have that endpoint, but understand it's a journey, and and to start. The easiest way to start is to start, pick something, let's get it in there, high business importance and start, start the process. Just do it. Um, I guarantee it's, it's not easy, but it's not as hard as you think it is half the time. Um, So understand it's a journey, start somewhere, start small, but you can do it. It's not, it's not the most complicated thing in the world. Um, I would say the other bit, uh, the other tip is don't discount flexibility. Um, so a lot of times there's really good out of the box integrations, you know, with a particular piece of hardware equipment, but make sure you're keeping your, your system open. You don't want to pigeonhole yourselves too hard to one direction. Um, you want to make sure you have the flexibility to get all your equipment in there. We see that a lot. Um, you know, you might have a state-of-the-art department on one wing of the plant, but then you get back to the other side and it's all that, that equipment from the seventies still ticking away, right? But the throughput data on all those is equally as important. All right, there's a. I'm sure there's a great historian-level data lake somewhere that you can go and integrate that new machinery to. But you're going to need your systems to be able to ramp back down and go get that data from those older pieces of equipment as well.
0: Yeah, that that sounds like more of a challenge than the new stuff.
1: It can be. It can be for sure. But you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of tips and tricks and strategies we've done uh, and we we've. Done quite successfully with a few of our partners around how to get that into the right format, right from the right places and you know, through the right firewalls as well, uh, to make sure you're using that effectively. But as long as the sensors are there, we can get the data. And if the sensors aren't there, well, good news; those are getting a whole lot cheaper and easier to install as well. Um, and better yet, they do integrate out of the box. So um, there's a lot of different routes you can do as soon as you've identified, you know, what it is you need. You need to integrate into your system.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely like the also love the tip about business need is I think a lot of people, especially now in the sort of IAOT era, we we just think like more data is better. And oh, yeah, if we need another terabyte, it's just like $100 to buy it. But again, like you mentioned, it's like, what's the point of this data? Like if we're, you know, like I saw, I forget when it was, but someone bought this new like samsung fridge and it has twitter on the face of it it's like okay well that's cool but like what's the use for this
1: yeah exactly why do you need twitter on your fridge i mean sure if you're if you're on twitter 18 hours a day and that's what you're getting paid to do and that's your job yeah great but i don't know if you're like me and you haven't looked at your twitter account in about two years um you probably don't need it on your fridge
0: (laughs) so Stuart. We're, and I love this question, but especially because you're kind of in this, you know, you're in the software space and you're seeing kind of new developments. Like where do you see the future of reliability going in the next five to 10
1: years? Ooh, that's a, that's a doozy of a question there. Um, I, li- I like, I like these though. Um, I could, I could talk ear off all day about, uh, you know, the industrial internet of things and technology. And I think, you know, augmented reality is going to play a really, really interesting role and already is, um, but it's going to be a lot more accessible. We're going to move towards predictive analytics, all these great things. But um, the thing I think that's most exciting about where reliability is going um, is all the all the importance that it's starting to see, right? Like the, the culture, you talk about reliability culture, that's really growing. That's That's not going anywhere. You know, you go into manufacturing plants now, they have a reliability culture or they're starting it, they're starting to drive that, you know, you talk health, you talk safety, you talk reliability, right? And in that order, usually, which it should be, but you start talking about really driving that culture, right? And having a strategy, it's so much more, you know, you get so much more done. You start integrating these systems, you start meaningfully looking at your data and that's that's really exciting. Um, to have that culture and then start leveraging IIoT and leveraging that new technology and starting to move towards predictive analytics but man when you got the culture and a good plan it's gonna get it's gonna get really exciting
0: <laughs> i can see you getting i can hear you getting fired up and i love it too i get i get excited about this stuff too so it's cool
1: yeah stuff it gets gets me going man i i really enjoy it and i i think it's a really exciting <laughs> exciting space to be because it's not the uh, it's not the most sexy topic in the world but man it's it's gonna be big for for both industry and you know infrastructure I think it's it's the right conversation to be having and it's in my opinion a little too late to be having it but hey we're having the conversation we're moving in the right direction so couldn't be couldn't be more excited for the next five to ten for sure
0: yeah i I, th- I really agree and I really think it's a great time to be in the reliability space like you know, we're sort of seeing asset management kind of become a little bit bigger, but obviously like reliability is a fairly large portion of asset management. And then we're also seeing like the IOT stuff. And if you go to some of the conferences, you'll see like augmented reality, virtual reality. Those are a few years away. But I mean, if we're talking five to 10 years from now, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff coming out.
1: Oh yeah. And it's all going to be driven by people that, that genuinely feel like feel ownership for their equipment and really care about their, their machines. And, and that's exciting, right? When you take that kind of level of, of ownership and responsibility for, for your equipment and, and your day to day, then you get really passionate about it. You get fired up and you, you start, start seeing results almost immediately.
0: <laughs> and everyone who listens to this show is always fired up about
1: reliability. <laughs> Excellent.
0: So, Stuart, you know, f- first off, I want to thank you for coming on the show. The second thing is, do you have anything to plug?
1: Oh, nothing particular to plug. Um, go out and learn some more about reliability. I'm always interested in that. Um, feel free to follow me on LinkedIn, though. Um, I'm uh, somewhat active. I do occasionally uh, reshare some Rob's Reliability stuff, so that's always always solid content. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's always a good place to keep in touch. Um, you know, anything fun comes up. It's great seeing seeing what people have to share on there. So, find me on LinkedIn, Stuart Ferguson, um, with Fixed Software.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, if you're listening, obviously, if you came through LinkedIn, Stuart will be tagged in the post. If not, check the podcast notes. Also, go to fixedsoftware.com. That's fix f i i x software.com. Just so that you don't spell it wrong. Um, and yeah, I mean. In terms of everything else, you know, Stuart, I appreciate you joining us today, and and taking your time out of uh, whatever Remembrance Day Monday. I was gonna say Memorial Day, and I was like, oh, I'm Canadian. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a beautiful Monday here in snowy Toronto. But hey, I really appreciate the time. It's it's been great. Um, it's been awesome coming on.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I think you know if we can. If we can dial in a few more topics, we should definitely have you back on. I might be doing, I might want to have like a multi-way CMMs or IOT or something. So I'll definitely let you know and have you back.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to love to join in. I always like coming to these, so that's great.
0: Perfect. Yeah. No. So everyone who's listening, I I appreciate you guys listening, and I really hope you enjoyed this one as well as learn some useful things about cmms integration i know i did i i wasn't really sure about some of the it stuff and you know as a as a true mechanical engineer you just hand that stuff off and run as fast as you can
1: (laughs) (laughs) well we're we're here to help hand some of it off to us how about that
0: that's right (laughs) and so and so You know, I really appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't yet, subscribe to Rob's Reliability Project on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week.